Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Thanks for listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Today's topic is strengthening your faith. Sometimes it's hard to have faith, isn't it? Whether it's believing that you're going to get that new job or whether it's trusting that your nephew's cancer is in remission. When we look at the world around us, it can feel awfully discouraging at times. Being faith-filled can be an incredible challenge. I find myself often saying out loud, oh no, what am I going to do now? I begin to worry as I think about the situation. Perhaps it's a conflict with a friend I don't know how to fix, or maybe it's too big of a bill I I can't even figure out how I'm going to pay. Or at times it's just figuring out how to manage all of the big life that I have set before me and have to scrape and muster enough faith to believe it's going to all get done. Recently, God reminded me that as time has gone by, I'm starting to lose some of my spiritual muscle. I'm beginning to get weepy and nervous and a bit edgy about trouble. Typically, over my lifetime, I've exercised faith. I pray, I encourage others, I quote scripture, and I look at what God's done in the past, and I think He is so good, He'll do good things in the future. But lately, I've let my nagging voice of worry take over. That is, until I heard another voice, the voice of a three-year-old, and let me tell you what happened. As I carried my three-year-old granddaughter Cordelia up the stairs of her old 1910 house, each step creaked loudly, echoing the sounds of yesteryears. I imagined how many times the stairs were climbed as some little child was carried off for a nap. I also like to imagine what it was like to be the parsonage for the church across the street, because that's where they live. Many pastors and their families lived and worshipped in this old house. Many parishioners attended weddings at the house, and many books were studied and poured over, as I've actually seen the old bookcase filled with pastor's books upstairs in the attic. That day several weeks ago, I was struggling between releasing the summer warmth outside and embracing the coolness of the fall breeze. I closed a window before I grabbed a book from the shelf, and Cordelia loves to read little books, so it's so important at nap time. But today was different. Cordy said, Nan, I'm too tired today. I'm going to sleep. And in she climbed into her little bed and covered up. I saw the cat trying to make her way in the door to prepare herself for a nap at the end of the bed, and I quickly pushed that door shut. There was still a darkness that made me sleepy and began to envelop us both. I would always sit in the big lazy boy recliner while Cordy would rest in her bed. But today was going to be different. Just like that, as I reached for the doorknob, my peace was gone because there was no doorknob. In the utter darkness of the room, I began to breathe heavily and said, Cordy, we can't get out. The doorknob is broken. It's gone. We're locked in. I turned on the light and began to fiddle with a 1910 keyhole and knob that was missing, and all of a sudden I felt the panic settling in around me. The room began to feel closed in and small, and I couldn't even breathe. I threw open the closet door and madly began looking for something to help open the door, but I couldn't find anything. And out of my frantic state, I heard a little voice say, Nan, what's wrong? I repeated my words, we can't get out, we're locked in. I held back the tears. Why was I so frantic? 
Well, aside of the fact that I had recently helped to potty train this little baby and now she was in for a nap and her parents wouldn't be home for three and a half hours, I was worried about a fire breaking out or an emergency where we couldn't get out of the room. A gentle and unaffected voice sounded out and broke my fear. Don't be scared, Nan. You know what to do. You need to pray. Jesus will help us. I reached in my back pocket. My phone, something I never take with me when I tuck Cordy in, was there, and I quickly dialed the farmer. Dean, I said, we're locked in. My poor husband tried hard to bring comfort and calm me. Look out the window. Just keep breathing, he said. Next, I called my son-in-law. He said he'd finish up work and come home as soon as he could. He hadn't had a chance to put the doorknob on and kind of forgot about it. I sat in the chair and prepared for a long cry when Cordy's little head popped off her pillow and she said, Nan, we'll be okay. I think you should pray. Jesus will help us. He'll send help. And so I did. I prayed out loud and asked for help and for peace while we waited. When I said amen, Cordy said, Nan, I'm just too tired. I have to go to sleep. And just like that, she was covered up, eyes closed and resting peacefully, not a care in the world. A few minutes later, I heard her rhythmic breathing floating across the room and heard the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I felt like he said, I'm here, Kathy, with you and the baby. It's all right. You're safe. There's nothing to fear. Cordy has a childlike faith in me. Can you remember when you had that? I couldn't remember. I work hard at being faithful, but Cordy's faith was effortless. It was as though there was no other option than to trust God because, of course, he was going to send help. That was it. I put my head back in the chair, and when I began to feel panicky, I'd remind myself of the three-year-old granddaughter who said, Don't worry, we'll be fine. One hour later, we heard Cordelia's daddy opening the door. She shouted, Hooray, my daddy has saved us. Jesus sent my daddy to save us. And so he did. I knew it was once again time to focus on, pray about, and strive a little bit harder to be a little freer and a little stronger and a little more faith-filled. I need more of a childlike faith. What about you? Well, speaking of faith, one of my favorite songs is by Best Life Ministries former worship leader, Dave Herring. And Dave's here to talk today about his new single, Make a Way, and then we're going to listen to that song. So we're here today, and I want to welcome one of the most fabulous worship leaders ever, my friend Dave Herring. He was with me for many, many years as my Best Life Ministries team leader for the band. And I am so excited because he's married to the beautiful Amanda. And now I get to actually just spend a few minutes getting myself updated and talking with him about church land, about worship land, and about all he's doing in his music world. And David, just have to tell the listeners that I am so incredibly proud of you. Um, you have been nothing but an incredible joy in my world, in my life. You have brought wonderful music to people all around me, whether it was through our conferences or just now, you know, listening to your CDs and knowing who you are. And, and I love the fact that you are every bit as authentic and real as your music is. So thanks for oh, being. Thank you, Kathy. Well, thanks for being on the show. I'm just, I miss you and I'm glad that you're here with me now. So Dave, you transitioned from leading worship at a small rural church here in Minnesota to being at a really big church out in Charlottesville, Virginia. What are some of the differences you see leading a small church versus leading a bigger congregation? Um, it's definitely a different experience. You know, when I was in Minnesota, we didn't have um, 
We didn't have the amazing sound. We had good sound, but it wasn't the amazing sound. We didn't have the lights, and we didn't have all the production values. And where I am now in Charlottesville, we have those things, and we have cameras, and we have the screens. And, you know, all that, all that makes for a very different experience. But at the, at the end of the day, I mean, worship is worship, whether it's in a church of 10 or right. whether it's in a church of 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while there are definitely, like, the experience for the musicians and really the experience in the room can be a lot different. You know, the cool thing about worship, especially in the time that we live in, is that churches all over the country and all over the world are singing a lot of the same songs. And so, you know, you think about a song like 10,000 Reasons. I mean, the rural church out in the middle of nowhere singing that song, and and Saddleback is singing that song. You know what I mean? And so, which, which lets a worship leader really be versatile and, and go anywhere and do the same thing and experience the same God and the same worship and the same church, uh, no matter what name is on it or what, or if it's in a city or out in the country. So the Point Worship was at the Minnesota State Fair. I was so excited. What was that like in comparison, you know, being outside at the fair to, you know, regular everyday Sunday church? What was, you know, what was it like? Yeah, it's a completely different environment. And we actually had one of our most fun worship nights ever at the Minnesota State Fair, because it was as if, like, I think one of our teammates said, you know, we could have built a brick wall right in front of the stage and just walled us in, and it would have been the same thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because yeah. we still had a blast oh, and, so and love our, our, our worship community together and all that. So it right. was still, it was just a fun experience all around, and the State Fair crowd was awesome. So what do you think the greatest challenge is today in leading people in worship on Sunday mornings at church? I was really racking my brain about this because there's a lot of challenges. I think, I think honestly, one of the greatest challenges, and it's actually a sad and unfortunate thing, is just church attendance is year after year on the decline all over, That's right. all over the country. Yeah. Um, and so, so really, like, what makes worship so great to me is who you worship with, um, and that's your community, that's your church. I mean, I heard it said years ago, a Christian without a church is an orphan. And, um, and, and so when you're worshiping with the people that are consistently in your life and in your community, like, there's something special about that. But when church attendance is on the decline, now, now fortunately at the point, we're experiencing the opposite. We, we have, we're seven years old. Our church has just been growing, like, rapid growth. I mean, we're, oh, we've experienced something very outside the norm here, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But we still have people that, that attend once a month twice a month. And it's really hard to make that connection. I mean, just like just like a pastor will stand on the stage and preach, um, he needs credibility to speak. And, and to get credibility with people, you, you get that through relationships, you get that through shared experience. I, I, I equate that to leading worship. I mean, if I go to a place where people don't know me and don't don't have any clue who I am, I find it harder to lead them than leading here at my home church where they know me and they're like, they see me and, and I see them and there's a connection. I really think worship leading, it, it's getting more and more difficult because, you know, you don't know the people um, because they're not there in church as much anymore. That's right, yeah. um, I, I see that as just a, a nationwide problem, probably even a worldwide problem mm-hmm. for, for worship leading. Uh, it's, it's meant to be something that is communal and um, when you're not, when people aren't attending, um, community isn't there. So I think that would probably be the greatest problem and challenge that I see the worship culture of today. So it's kind of hard to continue, you know, whether you're teaching songs to somebody and trying to get people to learn them if they're not there regularly, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, church, church attendance, like I said, nationally, it's just on the decline, and it's sad. 
but it, you know, it, it creates um, it creates a lot of problems just for for worship leaders that want to connect with their church of course. and people, but those people aren't consistently there. And so, what do you think, Dave? You've always been so smart at this. You know, I mean, when we talk about things like this, I love the way your mind works. What do you see as the top few things that are happening that people just don't want to go to church? I think one thing, one of the main things we have um, against us is actually one of our greatest strengths as well, and that is we offer a great online experience through our website. We have an app. We're on Facebook Live. But honestly, like, while that has worked incredibly for us, it's become a huge front door. People actually watch our church generally before they come for the first time here in our city. It also makes it easy to stay home on a Sunday. It does, uh, And just hang out at home and listen to the music and listen to the message. And we have sometimes up in a given seven-day period, sometimes we might have up to ten times more people watch online than attended our service on Sunday. Which, you know, you're talking thousands upon thousands of people that might watch online that just didn't come on Sunday. So sure. so while that works for us and that it opens the door and lets people stay connected, it works against us sometimes and that it makes it easy to stay home. And I think you're right because they're able to, for people who say, okay, I can't get out today, it's a blizzard in Minnesota, or I broke my foot or something, you know, wonderful. Or maybe they just want to catch up because they, you know, just don't feel like going. But when it's, you know, week after week, and that's how they're getting Mm -hmm. to experience church. You and I know, Dave, that one of the greatest blessings of being together and worshiping is all of the voices that are around you that are worshiping. You know, that worship transcends everything. And all of a sudden you're filled in this room with this incredible music and worship and, and, you know, glory to God. And and you don't have it at home in your living room watching it on you your don't, computer. Right. Yeah, you know we um one of the most important part. I, ha- I have like in ears. You know I don't have a monitor in front of me. I have I have these headphones that have been shaped to my ear. I stick them in, and that's how I hear the band. But the most important part of my ear mix are the crowd mics. Oh, if yeah. I did not have yeah. those crowd mics, I couldn't lead worship well yeah. because I I crank those crowd mics up because I can hear everybody singing and mm-hmm. you know what's neat is I think I hear the people on the stage probably hear the the church better than the church hears the church sure. <laughs> like we sure. can hear them loud and clear because we mic them right we have mics right. all over the room for yeah. them and so um so yeah I mean it's just that's something you don't get at home for sure so as a worship leader right now Dave what's the favorite song you've got what's at the top of the list that you love leading your congregation in. Uh, it's King of My Heart. It's written by John Mark McMillan and his wife. And mm-hmm. um, I think Bethel Church out in California made it pretty famous yes. uh, with Stephanie yeah. Gretzinger leading it. Yeah. But my goodness, that song, King of My Heart, it feels like a hymn. It feels like a contemporary song. It's huge and it rocks and it's, and it's chill and it's quiet. I mean, it is like, to me, a perfect worship song and lyrics. The chorus is so great. You are good. That oh. is literally the chorus. That is, that is <laughs> so, so great. I, our church loves that song. It's my yeah. favorite song to lead. I guess I just sing the bridge, mm-hmm. um, and one of our worship leaders, Nikki, she kind of just crushes that song when she leads it. And so um, that's my favorite song uh, that, that we do right now. I think my favorite song to lead personally is a song by Jonathan David Helser called You Came. Um, it's, he took the story of Lazarus and wrote kind of a worship response to it. Let's um, talk about the song that we're going to be playing from you in just a couple minutes here. Um, I'm so excited. Tell us the name. Tell us, you know, what you did, where you, you know, rehearsed, where you cut the whole song. Tell us everything about it, okay? Well, yeah, okay. So um, I wrote this song called Though I Walk a few years ago, um, 
And I, I had a lot of really great things happen with that song. Uh, Worship Leader Magazine featured it and uh, put it on Song Discovery. I entered it in a country music contest because, I mean, I'm here in Virginia, and we do kind of country music. It's like I put it in a country gospel contest at Merle Fest. Merle Fest has like 80,000 people at it every year. It's a wow. big country and bluegrass festival. I placed third uh, in their songwriting competition. Oh, I mean, it's fabulous. just been a really blessed this song has brought me a lot of just favor, and it's been incredible. Um, I was with my vocal coach in Nashville earlier this year, and um, he told me he wanted to connect me to a buddy of his, and I got connected with that guy. And basically in Nashville, that's how it works. One person connects you to someone else, to someone else. And before I knew it, I was sitting in basically the number one producer in uh, Christian music and CCM. I was sitting in his house in his studio, um, rewriting Though I Walk to get a radio version, wow. um, which is now called Make a Way. Okay. Um, and, and that was with, uh, you know, they connected me to the lead singer from Citizen Way, um, okay. awesome guy named Ben. And, you know, we did that co-write together. Ben took me over to Michael Tate's studio where we recorded it. And uh, then he had it mixed and mastered. And, and here I am uh, sitting in Virginia, just kind of, curious as to what's next with it. Wow. Um, and oh, so, I love uh, this. I love it. Really and, cool. Um, it, and, it have, it's even unreleased. In fact, yeah. no one has heard it yet, except for my friends and my family. So, oh, uh, so cool, I haven't gone Dave. on the radio yet. hasn't been released online yet or anything. So I think uh, if you're playing it, your listeners will be the very first people to hear the song outside so of my small ex- network. That is so exciting. And friends, for you listening, I just have to remind you that, you know, he's at Michael Tate's studio and that's Michael Tate from the Newsboys. So um, I love it, Dave. You're rubbing shoulders with some really fabulous worship people. So you're yeah, telling me that this upcoming song um, is going to be a different version of Though I Walk. Is that right? The song uh, is called Make Away. Okay. Um, exciting song. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Well, I need you right now. So I pray. So I pray. Cause you've always been there And you are mighty to save Cause right now I'm a little tired But my heart's set on fire When I trust in you Though I walk through the valley of the shadow There is nothing I will fear When I'm lost in the heat of the battle Even then, Lord, you are here you will lead me by still waters 
about this and thank you so much for being on the show as i said before i think that the most interesting and exciting thing about being a friend to dave herring is that god uses you and he blesses you dave and i know why because you always remain focused on him you are always very humble and you're always open to whatever god's got going congratulations on this great success great thanks for having me oh thanks for being on the show blessings What amazing words from Dave Herring. Right now I'm a little tired, but my heart is set on fire when I trust in you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, there's nothing I will fear. When I'm lost in the heat of the battle, even then, Lord, you are here. Oh, that's so encouraging. There are times when we feel alone, and you know what I mean, like when you go in for your MRI and you're waiting for the results, or when you go to the lawyer to have them deliver divorce papers. Oh, it's hard. And other people can always sympathize with you, but you're the one who's actually going through it. Well, let me rephrase that. You are with the one who's going through it with you. Do you believe today that God loves you? Do you believe that his plans for you are good? Listen to this scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. He knows that there are times when we won't understand why he's allowing what he's allowing, but we will understand that he's with us. I think about how hard it was to be trapped in that room with Cordy. It wasn't that long of a time, but I felt claustrophobic. But in those moments of waiting, in those moments of having life stop, I was forced to face myself and my fears and acknowledge that lately I've been a worrier and not a warrior. God wants us to trust in him through the good times and to know he's right there through the tough times. And as Minnesotans know, we're already hearing predictions of snow and the tough times are going to be getting through winter, at least for me. So here's Dr. Justin Hildebrand from KC North Spine and Joint Center to talk about seasonal affective disorder. Coping with S-A-D, or SAD. As the sun begins to rise later in the morning and set earlier in the day, many of us may experience emotional changes. These emotional ups and downs may be associated with seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. SAD is a type of depression that begins in the fall months and continues throughout winter, zapping one's energy and makes you feel moody and easily agitated. If your winter blues progress into depression or any of the symptoms listed below, please contact a licensed therapist for more information. Sad symptoms. Irritability, tiredness or low energy, 
problems getting along with others, hypersensitivity to rejection, heavy, laden feeling in the arms or legs, oversleeping, appetite changes, especially a craving for foods high in carbohydrates, weight gain. If you commonly experience a decrease in mood or energy in the fall and winter months, there are some easy at-home activities and remedies you can try. First, move or vacation to a tropical environment. I understand that this may not be an option for most of us, so there are other remedies. Light therapy is also an alternative. These special lights give off rays similar to the sun and help the brain produce chemicals that increase mood. Medications can help regulate mood during the winter months when prescribed by a medical doctor or psychiatrist. Along with medication, psychotherapy can help one manage stress and learn coping mechanisms needed to deal with the changes in season. Anti-anxiety or depression medications do have many side effects and it may take time to find the right dosage or drug for you. Natural remedies or products may also help with SAD and can be effective without side effects. Get out and exercise. Exercise can help balance hormones and increase mood levels. It only takes five or more minutes of exercise to get mood-enhancing benefits. Check your vitamin D levels and supplement when needed. Low vitamin D levels will increase fatigue, decrease bone strength, and cause depression. During the winter months, it is vital to make sure your vitamin D levels are balanced. Seasonal affective disorder can strike anyone, especially the further away from the equator one lives. Remember, if you start feeling blue as the days become darker, start exercising, check your vitamin D levels, and invest in a light box. There is no shame in admitting fall and winter months get you down, and there is never any shame with feeling the need to seek some form of medical doctor or psychiatrist. Don't let seasonal affective disorder make you sad. Yours in health, Dr. Justin Hildebrand. Do you feel like your faith muscles are wimpy? Well, one thing I learned a long time ago is to not pray for patience because God will bring you trials to sharpen your patience level. Instead, I pray for endurance. And speaking about endurance, I had to endure a really awful movie with Farmer Dean. And so John Jennings is going to bring you a review from Best Life. This review is for the movie Home Again. Rated PG-13 for some thematic and sexual content. Running time, two hours. The romance comedy Home Again stars Reese Witherspoon as the recently separated Alice Kinney, mother of two girls from New York. Alice moves her girls, Isabel, played by Lola Flannery, and Rosie, played by Eden Grace Redfield, back to her father's home in Los Angeles. While celebrating her 40th birthday, she meets a handsome 20-something named Harry, played by Pico Alexander, Harry's brother and friend, George and Teddy, are all in the film industry and need a place to live until their careers take hold. Feeling sorry for them, Alice offers up her guest house, and the three young men move in to continue working on releasing their film project. As Alice develops feelings for the young Harry, complications arise when her husband arrives on the scene and wants to reconcile. A small side story that remains utterly ill-fitting features the ineffective, unknown actress Lake Bell, as a potential client for Alice's new decorating business. Although the show offers a great potential with cast of Witherspoon and Candace Bergen, who stars as her mother, it flops miserably. 
The storyline drags on, and three 20-something characters act as though they have been plucked right out of the cast and crew of a worn-out Hallmark Christmas movie. The three 20-something film writers were forgettable, and the script is implausible for the viewer to believe young men would converse and act so responsibly toward a beautiful single mother and her children. Conversations were contrived. The story lacks any kind of a plot, is missing character development, and the romance between Witherspoon and Alexander is utterly unromantic with the camera zooming in continually on their faces in a blur. The comedy part of the story remains absent. For the writer and director, Hallie Myers Shire, who apparently had a mother and father in Hollywood showbiz, we'd recommend a different line of work. If this is as good as it gets, we'd recommend leaving the scripts and opening up a coffee shop. Bottom line, every once in a while, there's a dud of a movie released. This one isn't worth the ticket price, is a complete waste of time and money, and isn't worth renting. If you're utterly bored and feel like making yourself more miserable, wait till it shows up on Netflix to catch it, or just miss this one entirely. My name is John Jennings, and that's The Bottom Line. Faith of a child, that's what you and I need. Let's take that leap of faith when the next problem heads around the corner. Let's look up to the heavens, believe in God's ability, and just have faith. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, so often we feel alone in our troubles and it's hard to believe that good things can happen and that we will ever be able to get out from under the bad things. Help us to have a childlike faith that believes in your help, your love, and your hope. Help us to know that you're in it with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tune in next week to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, where it's always everyday radio for everyday people. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. best.